Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Whitetail Theories podcast. Today on the mic, we got John Stewart, and we're going to be talking mountain buck hunting slash big woods hunting. Uh, John was on the podcast before. Uh, we had some tough go arounds with uh, with the audio quality. He's currently on his way to his camp, so we've gotten some things straightened out, and the audio quality should be much better. Uh, but I'm really excited about this podcast. Thanks for hopping on, John. Hey, thanks, Doran. I'm always happy to talk to your hunt, especially when I'm heading to my hunt camp. Yeah, absolutely. You said you're almost finished there? Yeah, I've been. It's a two year project. I bought an old camp, decent size to it, and I um, had two acres with it. So I've uh, been working on it, cleared some land, and um, put a big addition on. And yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, I think uh, right about now it's been two years. Um, I should be done here in another month. It's, it's two and a half hours from my house, so I can work on it only when I can get up there. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's coming along, and I like uh, a lot of good deer hunting in the area. So Good, good. So for the listeners that haven't listened to the podcast in the past, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you, uh, kind of how you grew up hunting, how you got into hunting, uh, where you're from, that kind of whole deal. So I'm uh, from southwest Pennsylvania, just near south of Pittsburgh. So I grew up, I was always um, intrigued by deer hunting or early on hunting in general. Um, my dad wasn't a big hunter. I mean, he would go rifle hunting. And where I grew up, it was just kind of go wherever you could get. You didn't even need permission. A lot of people in town hunted the same areas and in uh you know, it wasn't managed land, you know, back, I'm talking, you know, 25 years, uh, 20 to 30 years, I guess. And <clears throat> so anyways, I started hunting in that area, in, in that environment, just kind of old um, pastures, growing up farms, some strip mine land, just some mine property. And, uh, you know, a big deer in that area was in the 115, 122-year-old um lot of hunting pressure um so i got into the hunting and just gradually got more in, intrigued by you know like remember my neighbor shot a big deer it was like 125 and i was just i was probably eight ten years old i was in awe never seen something so big and i don't know it just fueled me and i think growing up in that area um not growing up in an area with like managed land with big deer so maybe i really appreciate a you know, 130, 140 inch deer. I don't take it for granted. I don't know. You know, it's just um, how I view it. And uh, so I started kind of faded out. Like I did some fishing and uh, small game hunting. I kind of faded that out and got into bow hunting probably in my teens. And um, I really enjoyed that, the rush of getting close to a deer. Um, I got my first deer with a gun in PA right in the same area when I was like, 16 uh then my first deer with a bow probably 18 and i read everything i could about hunting deer with a bow and i was looking for a black and white answer and it just kind of could be careful reading articles and learning about uh or learning from other people if they're not hunting in the same environment and same type of part of the state or country or, or whatever it may be same deer they they uh inhibit so many uh, environments types of different areas in the country so i kind of went the wrong way kind of trying to learn it from others that these people were hunting in different areas and i think i took a step back like i was going the wrong way listening to people that wrote articles and that that weren't uh pertaining to the deer i hunted so i kind of gave up that uh learning from others and probably, you know, into my 20s, I just kind of would follow deer, learn, try to learn as much as I could about deer and kind of learn from the master, you know, the deep white-tailed deer himself, not from other people. Um, and just, you know, started, that's, that was about it, Or I mean, hunted a lot of public land, not bought out of state in my 20s and, you know, 30s and, kind of mainly bow hunting 
States and I, uh, I do excavation, so I have a lot more time off in the winter. So I would just, uh, and I would just kind of be done working in around October and I'd hunt all winter all over the country, different States. And, um, so here I am 42 years old, I guess I, uh, I still do the hunting, but I'm still fueled by learning about these animals themselves, especially with cameras. Um, I uh, learn a lot from cameras, and and I some years I don't even now I, you know, I didn't even kill a deer last year, but I'm out there all the time learning and uh, just student of the whitetail. You'll you'll never learn enough. Um, so yeah, that's about it for it. Do you think that that kind of misconception of where like you were learning off of guys that were hunting different places and and the deer that they were hunting weren't in the same type of situation or weren't applicable as far as the strategies and that kind of stuff as far as your area? Do you think that still goes on today and that that's kind of a big misconception that people go through? They try to use tactics and stuff like that in their situation that's completely from another part of the country? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. Um, that's why I like using analogies where people can relate to situations because it's just, there's so many, like I said, just different situations where you are hunting a deer and they're individually different animals like humans are different person to person. They do have tendencies that can help just like humans. You could, you know, uh, learn about humans. Most, most people do this. Most people do that. You know, it's like deer, you know, you know, they're going to go, you know, they have to feed bed and stuff like that. But I think learn what you can, but don't, don't use that in, in your, don't think it's going to work in your situation. You, like I, I always use the analogy of having a toolbox, which is like a handheld toolbox. When I was younger, that's the tools I had to whitetail with. Now I feel like I have a whole service truck with toolboxes and whatever you might need, and brains and guns and compressors and whatever um, to, to utilize when I'm out there. I have a lot of tools. You don't use it. 12 millimeter wrench for every bolt you take off. Right, uh, right. You know, it's it's kind of like that situation. Well, how come, hey, that was a wrench 12 millimeter. How come you're using a 13 here? I'm like, because that's what I need for this bolt. You know, so that's a real simple way to look at it and apply that to your hunting. Like, so learn what you can, but don't think. That's why I'm, I'm better at learning from the individual animal that I'm following and hunting. Because it's going to be different. There's going to be slight variations, but if I can relate to other times, other deer I hunted, then I can apply certain things in that situation. So I feel like me, when I read hunting magazines, I still do sometimes. I think I just like reading about the stories that other hunters success uh, or just stories or things that happened to them in the woods how this deer came down this trail this time and this didn't bother him or whatever. You're like, so this happened to this guy in this situation. Uh, so maybe this, if I find myself in this situation, I could use his tactics or, or something like that. But a lot of the how-to articles, uh, I feel like these people, some of these people have written those articles just talking about the deer they hunt, maybe the state they hunt. They're really proficient at it. But that's like their baby. They, that's where they, they, they live and they hunt those animals. You know, it's not probably going to be a different variation when you go to a different state, different private land, public land, you know, different region. So, so yeah, you got to be careful reading those articles and learning. That's why some, I can always say it's not black and white. I tell people, it's like a, some people say you contradict yourself when you talk about deer hunting. I said, well, Sometimes I'm going to do this in one situation, and then the other situation I'm going to do a 180. I, you know, relate to like a balance scale um, where um, put a lot of weight on the one side and it drops. You're doing this here, and, uh, and 
sometimes you got to put the weight on the other side because you got to do the complete opposite to, to make it drop. You know, like it's kind of you got to find that happy medium, find what, what works for you in your area, and uh, just take tidbits. You know, oh, that that's a good idea. I can use that. I don't think it's like the, you know, just every word and think it's black and white. Yeah, that's something that I try to stress a lot is take tidbits from various pieces of information and then form it into your own tactic or, or build your own strategy, build your own toolboxes as you were using your analogy. Don't just go out and buy, buy tactic X and, and be like, this is, this is exactly what I'm going to do in my situation. Change it and morph it so that it fits your exact plan and your, and, and your, uh, your attributes as a person, as, and as a hunter. Yeah, for instance, I was talking to my buddy the other day, and his uh, Steve Sharp, and he uh, he's up here, and he he runs cameras. He lives there with the deer, pretty much, and he knows the shit. But he gets some, you know, just he gets pictures of deer this time of year, right close, looking to his camera, and you know they don't bother his camera. And I talked to him. I said, I've had different. Now that ain't black and white that ain't hey deer are not scared of the trail campers on a tree uh you know that's not what he's saying but this time you know take his this time of year this situation where he's hunting um the deer aren't afraid of seeing if it's you know they don't know what it is they don't they're curious but i've had deer now you're talking november um that's a different time of year maybe a different part of the state uh i've had like maybe the pressure's a lot higher. I've had deer bucks come up to my camera, like, like look at it and like back up and like run, you know, not, mm-hmm. not downwind or not like it winded it. So it's like, so don't say, you know, you got to be careful what you read, not saying it's wrong, but it might be wrong for the situation. You know, I try to put my cameras kind of out of sight of humans and deer, uh, some of them older cameras uh, are really square. I remember I used to put them on maybe a smaller tree, and I had deer just not them mature deer in the pit. It was especially maybe in their bedroom, a place they uh, go through a lot. They see something like that, they just they just don't sit with them right. Now that's not every deer either. Some deer might just look at it, not even think about it. So there, that's just an example how things um, are. You know, one someone says doesn't mean it's etched in stone that you're or scared of cameras it's just that situation and so there's a lot of variables to put into that uh, little sentence right so, right right yeah no for sure i 100 percent agree so let's kind of dive into the meat and potatoes here about the the topic so let's kind of try to start from a to z and walk a person through getting into big woods hunting all right so what would be the first thing that you would recommend to a person that is normally hunting like small parcels of private or small parcels of public where they have agriculture food sources are readily available um things like that where it's more of a, a mixture of timber because I know once you get into the big woods you start getting to this homogenous pieces of woods that go on for potentially thousands of acres yeah so you know when you talk mountain hunting or big woods hunting um, you know a lot of different states up and down the east coast um, Appalachia Appalachian chain and up in some of it's flat and there's different same thing there's different states you're going to see different types of habitat different stuff growing brows you know clear cuts um so i think for a deer to get i'm looking for mature deer and for them to get away there's a couple things i definitely look for it's something something that's inaccessible whether it's mountain hunting or maybe you got to cross a river which Maybe you got to go upstream in a canoe downstream, but I mean, in a boat or something. I don't know to get to something inaccessible for them to get away and get to a mature age, or you'll need the definite thing you might need is cover for them to escape predators. 
and also terrain helps deer live. Some areas in Ohio, um, in different states I've been in, the, I mean, it's really, if you look at the top of, there's a lot of, I call them boopity doos, it goes up and down, toward and froze foot fingers. Um, it just, the deer can kind of lay on a point, and you're, it's not like you're going to put a cattle drive on and drive the deer. Maybe some of the areas of West Virginia are different, or just big, you know, the hollows where just, there's not, just maybe a couple benches and a deer run that, but it's not the, the whoopie doos that help them, you know, get away. Unless there's it's such a big mountain, it's such a long way up to the top that you're not going to get up there to push it, so that's inaccessible. But, um, so I'll, I'll study the map in the area that I want to hunt, and, and uh, definitely going to get boots on the ground, get out there and see. Um, you know, best time is, yeah, after hunting season to get out and see where the sign is from the previous um, season. But, um, I mean, if you can't get out in June, and you know, so whenever you can get out there, it's better, you know, um, than not being there and just relying on an aerial photo because that only shows you so much. So, yeah, try to find those three things that's going to hold a mature deer and make them grow older. Um, so that's the first thing I look for is those three things to help that to know that there's a good chance there's a deer there. You know, and then the, the main thing I'd like to um, find also is where the hunters are. There's going to be hunters in this public land because the deer live with these hunters um, and they know Sometimes 
you know, I call it the black oaks in different states. And they, uh, sometimes they're down low and it's, I found, I learned what acorns, it's not a, a black and white thing either. It's where this tree produced this year, it won't, it did next year, may the following year. It's not that, it's just, for me, I found a lot of randomness in how, in how the oaks uh, produce from year to year. Sometimes it's bumper crops, sometimes they're everywhere. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes there's one tree, you know, and then a lot of people, I've talked to guys, you know, oh, all kind of acorns are kind of them. I ain't seen no deer, and it's going to take me up there. You know, if a bug gets in them acorns and it's rotten, they're going to be laying on the ground because the deer aren't going to eat them. So, yeah, there's acorns there, but there's no food. They're not going to mess with them. So you got to make sure when you get to them spots, you find them fresh droppings and find the leaves turned up where the deer's got their nose in there and milling around. That's, a, you know, if there's food there, that's a telltale sign that there's good deer going to come there. There's other pieces like area up here near my camp where I'm headed. It's more of a plateau, part of the Allegheny uh, National, uh, you know, the Appalachian start of the uh, mountains, Allegheny. And um, there's not much top of, but the cover's here. So that allows them to get away. And there's a fair amount of hunters. That I'm just, and this is just the area in around my camp where I hunt that I'm talking about. So it's the same thing. So that's one of the big things that comes up a lot too uh john is being able to read fresh sign and sign that's been laid down for a while uh would you agree that there's kind of like a fine line there and it takes a little bit of experience to be able to read that because like with with what you were saying about yeah here's a whole bunch of acorns laying on the ground but if if you don't really inspect it and you you, you see that wormhole in there the deer obviously aren't going to be feeding on it and then how my my second question is how yeah. far do you see deer traveling to get to food sources from bedding areas in big timber well some of the areas that have a lot of browse it's everywhere and there's not a lot of topo the covers there for them to get away but the topo isn't there so it's just a lot of randomness um it's it's they're hard to pattern they'll just they're just they'll let the covers there and the browse there so it's it's difficult to put a pattern on a deer because they can forage anywhere and lay pretty much anywhere. So that's that's tough. I mean, if you can find, if you have the time, the deer are there. But also, you know, if you put enough time out there, you can find, maybe you find an area with some topo, you know, near, like, for my campus. So if you only have a certain amount of time, say, man, it's flat, it's really gradual, uh, there's not much, maybe go if you don't have to travel to you know if you only have like a week or so to hunt you want to get the odds in your favor so you don't have a lot of time to hunt an area that the deer are random and then i'll start concentrating on just does uh maybe going to rut or scrapes um but you know if you can get you don't have a lot of time to hunt you want to you definitely the deer have a lot of the odds sure deer have keep the odds in their favor but if you can get them get an angle on them get something in your favor you know maybe you want to find some terrain you know, to help a navigate deer, um, a pinch or, or something like that, or there's certain areas they have to walk. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's different mountainous, you know, areas. There, there's a wide variety. You know, in some of these mountain mountainous areas, you can't play the whole wind either. Um, it's uh, with all the hills, it just kind of it's like a turbine it just spins around and spits the wind out every which direction so it's tough to even get um get that in your favor i try to get as scent free as possible um and and have enough areas to hunt where if you mess something up um you've got another place to go to get another angle on the deer um i try not to stick to one area but um i mean there's a lot 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 of different situations that you come into um but if you can get, you know, find that mature deer and find where the hunters are, then you start down to know where, where's the food, where's the, um, where's the does bed, and them are two main, you know, where's he bed, you know, with some open oaks, you know, might be on a point, maybe some areas I find where the guys hunt the ridges and the deer just, maybe that's what they've been a perfect world, they would lay there, but um, they're kind of down over the mountain on the steep slopes, the 
because nobody wants to go down there. So that's, you know, it's, you can throw everything out the window as far as uh, the sign. Maybe that might be made at night. They're just, they're just hiding. Sometimes during the day, in a hard hunted area, they're just hiding from humans all day. And they know where they got to go to hide from them. You know, so try to think outside the box as far as where to hunt. It's not always, you know, a lot of guys now are reading maps and finding an area that got some decent terrain and um, looks like it got covered, maybe some clear cuts. And a lot of guys, it may be off the road a mile. I find a lot of guys are starting to get to good spots off the road back in a half mile, maybe a mile, two miles, and I start seeing human sign, camera stands all back there, and it's like, yeah, it might look like the best spot, but the deer aren't going to, the mature deer aren't going to live there unless it's, they might go in there at nighttime find a doe, but there's humans in there. I don't care how good the, if it has everything he wants, he won't, he won't take a chance with his life. life. He's going to live in it. It's the worst, shittiest spot. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to stay there. So, this, you know, their fellow lives pretty incredible. He's going to stay in an area that he knows he's safe and he's not going to be bothered by humans. You know, maybe go out at nighttime. So, sometimes, so sign can be good and bad. I mean, it could show you the deers there, but, you know, when, you know, you might want to put your cameras out. But if you can find that without putting the cameras out and let them soak, you can if you find the human, the hunt pressure where it's at, then you can almost guarantee or what i'll do is i'll just say hey i'm not i'm not even messing with this there's, there's too many guys because chances are you know when you get the wind spinning around you get around hunting season you know you get a five six year old deer chances are he's already knows where most of the hunters are going to be so you want to kind of find where the hunters are so that's that's my biggest thing for is, is just um finding where they're where the hunters are you know how often how often do you find mature deer in shitty habitat just because it's an overlooked spot or it's a, it's a spot where most people are like, yeah, this doesn't look that great. Uh, there's probably not deer here, but in fact, there actually is a mature deer there because it's, it's not getting hunted. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then how much, Say how, that much again. how much, so as far as, as far as, locations where it like the habitat looks shitty it doesn't look that great how often are you seeing mature deer in, in habitat like that versus habitat that looks really good but any hunter that comes through the area is also keying in on that area because it looks really good you know what i mean i, I think the deer I'm ta- yeah i'm talking about like rare instances not rare but air when you get a six seven I mean, a real mature deer knows, you know, um, you know where where the hunt. The, it looks too good. It probably it looks too good to be true. It probably is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing to where man, this looks great, man. Because that's where I was when I was younger, and I read magazines and and you know, I this is awesome. Look at this heavy trail. That's where I was stuck on trails. Trails. I had a trail. Big, you know, and then when I got older, I hunt rubs, man, look at this big rub, this deer, you know, it's before cameras, and that was all nocturnal. I mean, that could tell you deer's in the area, but find them subtle areas, you know, maybe a big bed, um, or maybe maybe some rubs that ain't kind of right in the mix where all the animals are. Um, it, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, I'm just kind of picturing an area that I was hunting uh, where I had guys on camera way back on this mountain and it all it used to be my best go-to spot but then guys moved in there and hunted it and uh like halfway back that mountain there was just a little drainage ditch and and uh it was kind of away from um the, the logging road going back there you know what i mean it was just like everybody because sometimes got the mentality i want to get back in i want to you know hunters are they'll go they'll do whatever it takes they want to get back in there and hunt and, uh, you know, there's other instances on public land where I seen deer just kind of mature deer, not even participate with the rest of the herd, and mature bucks. They just kind of, they like, they're so other and they feel like they're so different than them, two-year-olds, yearlings, does and fawns, that they don't even, 
participate with them in their own little rut. I feel like they just kind of satellite and move through. Um, and it's almost like an area, like in my history, like smaller parcels of public land, it's almost like an area that maybe connects two things, maybe a bedding or feeding or somehow maybe some does or I don't know, or two bedding areas or it's just like an overlooked area. It's hard to explain. It might be just like an old fence row or like maybe you go into this public land and there's a meets uh, a piece of private land and there's like a little boundary there that this guy comes so far and this guy comes so far that's a piece, just a little piece that he can move through and and, uh, and uh, stay away from humans and still live. It might not even be the typical deer that you see in the trees of Rupture Strait. It's just like a, like a nomad that just kind of roams and lives with the animals. It's, it's not often I find a deer like that. It's been a while since I had a good mature deer. Um, and I was kind of obsessed over it. But um, as far as even in like mountain situations, I mean, they can tend to be nocturnal if the pressure's there. Um, so try to find out where they're bedding. You know, in some of them areas, like I said, they uh, if there's not much top of it, they can lay anywhere. But if you've got a lot of terrain features and some open woods, I mean, number one, a deer's going to lay down where he has an escape route. And he can be, um, if a predator is coming up on him, he can be, alert he, he can have some time to get out of his bed and escape you know and usually the typical bed will have like it's in a, some some of them deer in a big will just lay lay by a big tree that's all they need they'll hunker down behind a big tree maybe have it behind them have the wind coming over their nose wind is a big thing if, if there's like a say it's in a bowl and it just goes through that bowl and he could you know and there's there's some areas like kind of when I get out in them mountain areas, even when I'm scouting, it's like, man, I don't want to go over there. Because if there's a little bit of cover or point or something where I think there might be a deer bedding, I don't want them to smell me. It's just that you kind of, after being in a wood so long, you kind of say, you know, man, I, that's an area that I, there's a chance there's a deer could be laying there. Now, that's when scout comes in, whether it's summertime or spring or, or, or winter after the season. You can kind of look at them places, take pictures if you have to, you know. There might be a, there's times I went, oh, I'll remember this, and I go back in the spring or summer, and it's like, man, I, where was I? Where was that spot? Where was that rub? I mean, mm -hmm. the different apps you have now, you can mark at pictures in there, and that helps because it'll tend to look different when you're there in the summer or spring compared to the, uh, the wintertime scouting. Um, so, uh, but definitely got to get some boots on the ground one time or another. Well, let me, let me drop some cameras. Let me stop you there, John. So when you're in when you're in a, a patch of timber where you're looking for beds and you're and you're scouting, what are you going? What's going through your mind and what are you thinking of as far as trying to locate beds? Like you're not just going through the timber uh, randomly, willy nilly, well, and and looking yeah. for beds and looking like you hoping that you stumble across one, which I think a lot of people do. You're looking for particular things, correct? Yeah, yeah, and it's like. Terrain features, uh, like I go back to that day, if there's a terrain, like what you do is they're, they're going to utilize them. They can lay on one finger or one point and someone comes up from this side, they'll go down and run around. It's just like they can Houdini in there, like pull a fast one on you and they'll be gone. So if you have a lot of that going on or if you have cover um, where you can escape to or hide to be secure, or like I said, some of them open areas, they're going to really somehow use the wind. Um, so if you find something along those lines, and, and then it, there's the same thing I talked about is the hunt pressure. If the uh, they tend to know where guys are parking and coming from, um, they're gonna or where they hunt. Then, like I said, they're just gonna you know find where the humans are. That, that's that's safe enough for them. Um, how often? How often do you? How often do you find them bedded in like real thick laurel and stuff like that, and like thick briars or 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 clear cuts stuff where it's like really really thick? Do you find mature buck bedded in that, 
or is that stuff too thick? Um, you know, I feel like a, a, a big buck, like if you ever track a big buck in a winter, for the most part, he likes to sometimes his rack, I feel like is as wide as your shoulders and you'll take routes. And it's easy. You don't, you don't like turning his head, moving his head. They're so good at escape and getting away from you. They don't have to go in that jungle. You know, and if they do, they'll just go in the fringe. It's not like they're going in the middle of it. They might just, you know, get in where some cover, and if they get bumped, they can run deeper into it. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I feel like they're not, a lot of them big buckets, they just, they're so sly, they just hide plain sight, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not always that jungle that they're, they, they need. They'll, they'll make it work with what they got, you know, their toolbox, it's huge, you know, they, as far as getting away from hunters. You know, they'll just hide in plain sight. And when you find a bed, it's like, oh, okay. You can maybe see this way. You can smell what's coming over the mountain. Okay, the guy's parked here. He knows what's going on. I mean, some of them deer like to hide uh, by parking lots. They kind of hear, not by it, but they want to know what's going on. And I talk about knowing what's going on in your woods, not hoping for anything. Like in hunting or in life, I, I want to know and, and uh, make opportunities for myself. But, a lot of them deer want to know what's happening. Don't lay by maybe a parking lot or with an earshot. And it's like, I know the one guy, he was uh, having a big buck on camera. And uh, he was there hitting a scrape. And his stand was, he had a stand on there and scrape. And he said, uh, man, I've been hunting that. I'm going to stay there until he comes by. And, and the first day he leaves and gets fed up and goes hunting a different spot. He had a cell cam. The buck was on a cell cam like 8 in the morning. I said, that sucker showed up when I was there. I said, because he knew you weren't there. Mm-hmm. I said, you parked in that hollow. He hears it before daylight. He hears you park. I mean, it's just like right there. That buck's not going to get up and go over in that area. I mean, they got them. I feel like they got radars on the side of their head. They hone in on you. Like, oh, okay. It's like a no-brainer. You know, you might, like I told him, I said, maybe you have to walk a half a mile down the road to get to your spot. Don't leave your car parked right there and uh, let him know that nobody's in that hole. And then he's going to come through. And it's, it's just stupid stuff like that you got to think of because just put yourself in their position. If you were in the woods and you were getting hunted, you know, you hear a car, you're like, car door shut. You're like, oh shit. And you hear the guy walk up the hill. Are you going to go over there? No. It's like, I mean, they're dealing with their life there. Life and death situation, and like I said, there's their ability to survive is and their will to survive is pretty remarkable. They're not even they won't take chances. It's like that's why they're you know the mature deer or something I like to go after because it's a it's a heck of a challenge. Yeah, you know, it's not usually not locked when you when you come away with what's things you did learned in the past put you in that situation. You know, to overcome all their senses to harvest them. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I start talking to it. I go in one direction, then I, I, it's like a wormhole. I'll be talking about I forget where you can ask me. I start talking this way and thinking of different things and, and stuff, but hopefully it's all helpful, you know, just different tidbits and, and things I've, I've seen and learned and stuff like that. No, it definitely is. And then just to, like, piggyback off of what you said, how many instances have you seen, John, where they may not be bedded in an area where they can see you or they're watching you, but they're bedded in an area where they can smell you coming in too, either using the thermals or the wind or whatever? Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a situation. If they if they know, I mean they're they're neural sensitive with their noses. You know, I, I've seen like in these mountains, there they know if they stand on one. When you get the wind every which direction, I've seen them stand in one direction in one spot for 40 minutes till they the wind shifted and they smelled what they wanted. Uh, I mean, wow, they won't take a chance. I know it's just it's it's like man, how how am I um, supposed to hunt this channel when when he's going to wait wait you know he'll just wait it out. So I'm not going out in that open area or you know. Uh, you know, sometimes when a doe breeding season, they'll, they'll take that chance, but a lot of times they won't won't take that chance. They'll wait to get that wind to get something. They'll get something in their their favor, whether it's the wind or 
they gotta have, they gotta feel comfortable, you know, like, uh, the odds, they gotta get a little bit of odds, they want the odds in their favor before they commit to something, you know, it's just, it's gotta be a, a feeling, uh, uh, instincts, you know, like, okay, that's, you know, that's enough to, you know, walk in there, you know, but, uh, yeah, they, I mean, like, us, we can, we don't know how their, how good their nose is, you know, but um, all we got is we can just know that they're using it, you know, and, and uh, we can play it to a certain degree in some mountainous areas. I mean, a lot of them, like with thermals, any evening it drops down. I don't get too in depth with stuff like that. Um, sometimes a little slope, it kind of doesn't, but, uh, you know, on most of the mountains, you know, in the evening, when it dies down, it's almost kind of dropping it. I've seen deer use that to their advantage. They won't go up to a ridge and feed till, till you know, when, our, when the sun sets and they can smell what's up there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, like with wind in these mountains, a lot of times it's, I just try to get sentry as possible. So if I can hunt a ridge, I'll get up high in a tree so my wind is just carrying way out the, out the way, you know what I mean? Um, and, and sometimes, like later in the year, when it's really cold, I feel like if you get bundled up, it'd be good to kind of hold a lot of sand in. Uh, but get to your spot, sometimes early season, you know, you splat, you're going to sand everywhere. But that's a tough, sometimes you got to get the harvest of the animals, sometimes you got to give them the odds they want. Sometimes, you know, take chances. That's why I have a lot of different areas that I like to go to where if I screw this up or think I did, I'll just move on to another spot. Well, that's... I won't keep hunting to, to find out. I'll just say, oh, I, I think I might have messed this up. If, you know, the evening, the wind shifts, or something you feel it on the back of your neck going this way, and I think that's the way he wants it to come. I've done it a little bit. How often, how often are you putting time into a single stand location and then... Um, are you only hunting those stand locations on the absolute perfect conditions? Give them odds they want. I don't, I, I don't like, I don't use like that onyx, or, you know, the, uh, those onyx, I don't like anything like that. I just, I give them, you know, I want it to be, I'm looking for the challenge myself, you know, that's half the challenge is getting into their, the mountain situation. Wind swirling and you being in a tree and still harvesting deer. That's like the whole challenge. Out the Midwest, west, like you can rely on the wind's direction. It makes hunting a lot easier. It's just like, okay, it takes stands according to the wind direction. So in the mountain areas, it's, it's harder. So I'm more just trying to get sent free and get out there. And um, give them spots. So hopefully, we can have enough spots I can move around. In case I mess one area, I'll go to another. I'll keep walking around. You know, hopefully, catch up. So, would you say a lot of mountain hunting is not necessarily quite luck, but um, having enough locations where that that magical moment can happen? Because either you potentially have to bounce around so much. Or because the deer, the bucks up there are so nomadic that they're moving around, it just takes so long to catch up with them. Yeah, definitely, because they're nomadic. But also, like like you said, the, the wind or you're like how I talk about hunters. If the hunters are there, know where they're at, and the you can adjust accordingly to find a deer. You're a hunter, like you're a hunter yourself. You're doing. Might be hunting a different area, but you're you got to get in there. You got to walk into the woods. You got to get in a tree or on the ground or whatever. So you're putting scent and you're 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 alerting the deer maybe that are in the area. So you're doing the same thing as the people I'm talking about. Yeah. Just be, you know, smart about that. Don't think you're some, um, you know, sly fox like some magician here is going to pop out. And you're like better than everybody. You're leaving scent. You're walking in the woods. You're letting them know that you're there. Um, so have 
areas that you can go to, you know, if, if you do mess it up. Because a lot of times, if I go in before day, a lot of times I like going in at daylight. So like if I jump a deer, I kind of see it on a, on a morning. Um, as opposed to, or I get in way before daylight, you know, but sometimes I don't like going in like right before daylight because you bump a deer, you don't, what did I bump? Was that the big deer I was after? You don't know. Um, but it seems like every time I, I get headed to my spot in the morning, I'm always like on pins and needles. And then once you get to a tree, you're like, I made it. Because you're taking, you're, you got to get in close, you know, to where they're living, you know, going a rut, they, they might travel. Um, but for the most part, if, you know, whether it's browse or, or maybe there's acorns in there, they're bedding in an area where they're hunting October, where they're just mainly feeding and bedding to get ready for the rut. They're not moving a big distance. Sometimes you got to get in close to them deer. Sometimes you're going to take chances. But like in the rut, you might want to set up and maybe a travel area where they're going to point A to point B, maybe, um, or a doe bedding area or, or something of that sort. But um, a lot of times it's, it's uh, tricky just getting to your spot because these mature deer, they, they're, uh, they're not just walking, meandering all over the countryside, you know, mm-hmm. um, in October and stuff like that. But uh, that's why I say you have, have other options or have other deer to hunt. So, you know, like, man, I don't know. I hunted there a lot. I, I bumped that deer on the way in, and maybe, you know, you might want to move a little bit. I mean, the deer, if you bump, maybe he, I've seen deer just avoid. I've seen deer watch me put a tree. I just had a buck watch me put a stand up, and he just avoided that tree stand. I mean, like 100 yards away. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he didn't move to a different country. He just, like, okay, I'm not going to that spot. So maybe it's a matter of moving 100 yards it's a matter of moving to another deer, another location, but try to get some odds in your favor, you know, you know, if you, whether it's October or right, okay, what's, the, what's on his mind? If it's feeding and being lazy and sleeping, well, we got to get close to him and, and somehow get in there and maybe catch him feeding around. Um, or if you're getting into, into November, maybe you can catch a scrape. But a lot of times them scrapes are hard to hunt. You know, he's kind of getting ready to, He's putting his scent out. A lot of times they'll use them thermals or winds. I, I, I've seen a lot of scrapes are like, I found some that I'm like, man, I can't even hunt this. I said, because it's right where it's at. You know, I got a pictures of deer hunting it in the evening. And that's when the thermals change. Like, I couldn't even hunt this spot. So um, make sure you can uh, hunt it to a certain degree. You know what I mean? If it's on constant thermal drift, then you not to be able to hunt it, um, but yeah, I get I get lost, like I said, toward the um, Yeah. How do you hunt? So, how do you hunt those big benches? Well, a lot of these areas that I've been hunting in the last few years really don't have many benches. I mean, uh, some of them are really steep hillsides that these deer live on and walk on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just sit up up in a tree you cut off a lot of angle maybe you get up five to eight feet you know um so yeah as far as lately i haven't had many areas that i hunted that have actual benches you know gotcha um, i have this spot where it's probably like a 400 yard wide bench and i got really good bucks on it but because it's so big and it's super thick um with with mixtures of of oak trees and stuff like that there's a couple community scrapes spread out throughout it but it's like all right do you hunt the back end of the bench or do you hunt the front end of the bench uh do you basically just go off the wind and not really play the thermals or like it, it there's just so many variables on that it's it's almost like what i've been doing lately is just bouncing around on the bench trying to i guess kind of get lucky or or catch them but it, I'm trying to figure out how I can put in some some stack the chips in my favor to uh, yeah. have some better interactions. They keep a lot of them in their favor, mm-hmm. and you need to get some angle on them. You know, get it somehow get an angle on them. You know, some deer you find are too hard to hunt 
because it's a lot of randomness. Maybe he's nocturnal. Maybe he don't take chances. Just you know, some other deer are like wow. Because you learn individual deer, you learn that some of them are easier to hunt. Maybe more of a routine pattern feed area. Um, sometimes I gravitate toward the ones that are harder to hunt. I don't know why. I feel like sometimes I don't even like killing. <laughs> So Yeah, this yeah. this location that I'm hunting is it's it's a tough cookie to crack and there's really good bucks on it, but there's just it, it it's it's big timber and there's there's just so many variables and it just seems like the deer is so nomadic it's hard to pattern them. But yeah, I'm gonna try I'm I'm also gonna try to get more cameras out there too and see if I can if that'll help. Yeah, and um some cameras are great to learn about the deer, but sometimes I've, I've found myself kind of being behind the deer because you want to catch him. Oh, he's here, and then you get in there, he's been already gone. Yep. I learned to try to be that. I learned to start going on my instincts, know that the deer's there, know where the hunt pressure is. If you're hunting a certain area, you've hunted a few years, I just know where they're going to be. You know, you know, like last year, I was trying to catch him and then move in. I'm like, why would I hunt there long? I think I'll catch him. You know? But yeah, if you can get some cameras out, um, get some inventory on people being a lot yeah. of them big mature deer, they don't even like I tell people they don't even be able to track deer in the winter. Mm-hmm. I never seen one on a trail. They don't ever abuse trails. They don't hunt trails mature deer. It's rare unless it's like some pinch where there's only one way you gotta go or a creek crossing. But other than that it's just look like I think a lot of randomness helps them live. You know that they they live with other predators. So they don't want to. Some deer don't want to stay in that pattern, so they can't be patterned. You know. Yeah, no, for sure. I've noticed that. Like in uh, in postseason when I'm shed hunting, I'm following a big buck track, and it might cross another deer trail, but it's pretty much just doing its own thing as far as walking through the timber. Very yeah. seldomly are they on the worn deer trails. Yeah, so, I mean, go with a likely spot. It's just like, you find a likely spot where, you know, you can learn a lot from the track if you're always trying to. Um, sometimes, and, and it doesn't always, he might not always have a destination in mind. Another analogy I could say is like, say you want to take a Sunday drive. Hey, where are we going? I don't know. Let's just go for a drive. You don't. It's like, no, I'm not going to the grocery store. Just, so you see a deer moving through, or he's going somewhere. It's not like, where's he going? I bet he's going to the feet. I bet he's going over. Maybe, maybe he's just taking a little ride, a little Sunday drive, or you know, he's just taking a walk, or you know, maybe laying all night. Or you know, as the breeding season gets closer, I think it more turns toward uh, like a lot of deer will get up at night, check scrapes, and move, kind of learn where the, where the other deer are. So a rhyme and reason why the deer are moving. You know, something tells them they got to move, and they just move. I mean, might not have a destination in mind, so take that into consideration, too, you know. A lot of, I mean, they're browsers by nature. I mean, they just move randomly to browse. If every deer walks on a trail, there's going to be no browse on the trail. You know, they're going to have to get off the trail and hike through just a random area to get some food. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, how often, how often, you, John, are you hunting out of presets versus a set that you just just hung? Um, you mean like sets that I've had like previous years, or yeah, sets that you either had previous years or sets that you put in like in the summer and then came back and hunted them in the fall. Not many. I'm I'm kind of really mobile. I don't. I end up hanging stands. I'll hunt them like once or twice. I'll never come back. I feel like everything's changing in the deer woods, day to day, all through the year. Whether it's hunt pressure, or food, or predators, you know, it's just it, you gotta. That's why I'm not. A, I always like like I say, scout more, hunt less. Because 
get down and take a little from your stand and get down and, and walk 100 yards in each direction, do a little circle. Sometimes I'll get down, just do a little circle, come back to my stand, see if I can learn something new. You know, the woods are always growing year to year. I mean, I go to places that I've been four or five years ago. And I remember how it looks in my mind, and I look at my like, wow, this looks way different. So there's different animals living there. Uh, horses different. Once at night, get in there. But it was a spot that had success, and I thought it was a go-to place. The wind was right, easy to get in. Um, we shot three buck in one tree uh, a couple of years ago in 24 hours. I said, well, next year it's going to be a go-to spot. I hunted it, it just died. So if I would have hung a stand there, chances are I'm moving a lot. Don't be afraid to move. You know, find that fresh sign. You know, you got to have a starting position, but, you know, keep picking away at it. If you're not, if you don't feel you got the odds in your favor, don't hope to hoping. I mean, now chances are in a rut, if you're in a pinch or something, you're hoping, you know, that buck comes through. But just in general, like, hunting, I don't want to hope for a deer, you know, make it happen. Um, know what's going on and keep adjusting your, your stand site. You might have to move times, carry a set with you, hang it, hunt, um, but get in tune with what's going on out there, like the deer, That's, they, they know what's going on in their area. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think I think being mobile is extremely important, constantly thinking beyond what's right in front of you, what's right in front of your nose is, is extremely important, and then don't be afraid to pack up shop and, and move. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't think you have to sit there in one spot. When I was younger, I, you know, I, I, I was afraid I did to different states. I was afraid to see what's over the next ridge and out. I don't want to spook nothing. Listen, that's why I said the deer live with humans, especially doing hunting. You know, you're there. They're, they adjust their lifestyle accordingly. And so I, there's times I hunted one spot. I didn't want to screw it up. And then, Near the end of my hunt, I would take a little walk. I'm like, man, I should have been over here. You wasted days hunting. So I'd rather hunt more, you know, scout more, hunt less, because I know that deer is going to come through if I put the time in here, you know. But it's just knowing your area, knowing the deer and, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, John, we uh, we just hit the hour mark. Is there any closing thoughts that you think that uh, you want the listeners to know or anything that you want to kind of retouch on and just make sure you get that point across? I think just knowing knowing that area you're hunting is as good as you can. Um, and, and I've been hunting a few states here religiously. I've gotten a rut in these areas. It's been a while since I... I've been in a new state, a different area to hunt. I have enough knowledge. Um, but definitely get, get out there if you want to plan a hunt. You, know, you got to get out there beforehand. Or if you do go in the fall, get out and hike around. There's times I went to new areas and I would just, I would go in prime time, whether it's a rut. I would just walk through the whole woods and I just take mental notes. I, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't know where the deer were, where the hunters were. It was after a rain, find tracks. Um, and I didn't have, you know, if, if you don't have time to hunt or scout during the summer or whatever, it's, maybe you got a 10-hour drive, you know, or there's times I'll just hang a bunch of cameras, maybe in the summer or something, and come back and see what's there and, and do your best. But know as much as you can about the area. Don't just tiptoe around and hope for, for anything. You know, I mean, there might be these little spots that you feel like even – that you don't want to disturb a deer, you know, you want to go around, or like, like I said, there's it just, how does it feel to you? What do you think you should do? I don't want to tell you exactly. I don't know what situation you're going to be in, but like I said, there's times that I, I don't want to go around with spooky deer, but there's other times, like I said, I, I was really hunting a lot of different states, and I got to a spot, and I just, wow, I just damn near ran through the whole woods, you know, did a huge circle, and it was right, and what it told me is like, November 8th, 10th, I said, hey, um, this guy's hunting here. i seen deer tracks here. I jumped the deer here. I learned a lot just going through that whole woods because there are humans in there. Like I said, it's not not a pristine environment where there's no 
hunters, there's people out there hunting, but know what you can, then hopefully you got some different tools that, that can help you with what I said to, to try to know your area. And it all depends on what you want to mature near. You're just trying to harvest the meat. You know, it, I, I, like me, I would usually look for a mature animal. But um, know all you can. Don't be afraid to move. Um, find where the other guys are hunting. Adjust accordingly. You know, what time of year it is, if it's food. Yeah, it definitely like, could be. It's just like going in the direction. You think, you think about something else, you try to plug out in and maybe keep going with it. So. But yeah, then this year I'm going to talk about, this year I'm going to um, been working with Spartan Forge. I'm really going to apply that to my hunt this year. It's artificial intelligence for deer. Um, I think we talked about it before, and you might even talk to Bill, but um, it's a, uh, it's not like anything that's out there. Um, so he took millions of data points from radio collared deer, plotted them down, and took into consideration moon, wind, uh, region, everything that you could think of when these deer moved and what was going on when they moved. And, and, and uh, so the Spartan Forge, get it for $20, use code Johnny, Get that and it's going to give you the artificial like you plug in your zip code it'll tell you when the best time is to hunt so like if you are hunting out of state or you don't have time to hunt um it'll it'll the, the all the data points from radio colored deer um movements in your general area um your state or wherever it might be it'll tell you the best time to hunt and it's and it's not like a black and white thing either but it's an edge that will help you Maybe it's a transition area um, that they're they're going to be moving in, or maybe it's just their core bedding area. It's just some deer, will, you know, what he learned is some deer will just get up and feed, move around in their core area. So you want to kind of gravitate, you know, where the deer are, gravitate toward that, or maybe it's a full range. Maybe they're like I said, maybe it's that Sunday walk. Something just telling them to move. These deer are moving, and, and he learned that these deer are just moving in their area. So I'm going to work with that this year and uh, help me learn, plan my, you know, out-of-state hunts if we see when the deer are going to be moving and everybody's looking for that extra edge. And um, I'm thinking this is going to help help a lot of hunters out. But if you can get it now for 20 bucks, and there's working on a lot of cool features, stuff that's not even available, you know, and, and stuff that's already out there. But uh, you have to check that out. I think, I think that's going to help um, predict some hunting um, when you want to go to your hunting states or what have you so yeah i want to mention that that's that's something i'm looking to really work with this year um, but that's probably it for yeah no for sure i talked to i talked to bill um and, and hooked him up with a couple of my biologist friends he got some data off of them from here in pa but the program yeah. is very very interesting and uh i'm really curious uh i'd like i'd actually like to get him on a podcast at some point uh for him to explain it but it's it's actually uh, a program that uses real science. So it's in my opinion, I think it's something that's pretty new. You don't see a whole lot of that kind of uh, programming out there that actually uses hard science data. Yeah, and there's uh, I mean, there's just a lot of variables to make your move, and he took into consideration as much as he could. Yep. Put it down. So it's it's uh something that's. Definitely, no one else has, and, and I'm happy to be working with it because it's it's, it's a game changer. It's gonna it's a lot of predictions and other stuff. He's puts in a work. He's been working diligently. I mean, every day I told him to come up camp, and he's been wanting to get up here with me. And it's just he's just working every day on, on you know refining that product and stuff like that. So so we'll see what happens with that. But you could yeah, give him a holler. Uh, yeah yeah no for sure i will all right john so where can the listeners get a hold of you uh if they want to bounce off some questions uh and talk to your uh, yeah social media just instagram the johnny stewart um follow me and uh want to talk to your i usually try to answer a lot of people ask me message me some questions or show me pics and talk, you know, I like to help people out, people send me pictures of deer they're hunting in their area, and, and I try to maybe 
give them some clues to their puzzle. You know, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know? So, yeah, um, check me out. All right. I'll have your link uh, for your Instagram in the show notes. I really appreciate you hopping on, John. Um, I'd like to, before the summer's over here, do a live webinar, if that's cool with you, where listeners can come in and ask you questions directly and we can kind of go through like a one-on-one type of deal. Yeah, that'd be great, Torn. I mean, I'm, I like helping other people. You cannot, I think the biggest thing is like, I'll give you all, I'll give you a bunch of clues. I'm not going to give you the answer because I don't, you know, I'm going to try to, but that's what's great about hunting. There is no one answer. Right. It's like a bunch of clues you can gather and, and help in your puzzle, you know? Um, so yeah, that'd be cool. I'm down with that. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll start, um, feeling out some dates and then get that set up. But, yeah. um, awesome. I appreciate, I appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks, Lord. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Whitetail Theories Podcast.